0: Everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for On the Ladder Side of Baseball, and we are on the ladder side of the city of Chicago, coming to you live April the 19th from Oak Brook, Illinois. So you can adjust all your scheduling. Uh, Yes, the Bobby Dernier podcast was the most recent. That was uh, around the day before opening day. Uh, 2022 where they delayed the opening day because of the lockout and uh, and so we did go to opening day and we talked a little bit about uh, what was gonna happen at opening day and it was not too bad out there not too bad at all we uh, had the wind protecting us from the uh, elements actually the wind was blowing right into the third base whatever you call that you know it's the structure of Wrigley Field that is on the third baseline, and the wind was coming from the west, and so it was pretty good. And the Cubs uh, won the opener. Hendricks pitched great, didn't get the win. Went out. Uh, that's another goofy thing, isn't it? I mean, why do you have to, you know, leave with the lead or pitch five innings if you're the starter? Uh, a reliever can come in in the bottom of the fifth, get one out, and then the Cubs score a bunch of runs, and he gets the win, and that's what happened on the uh, Cubs opener. So anyway. Next game got snowed out, rightfully so, and um, I believe they took two out of three from the Brewers in an f- opening four-game series. Then, uh, you know, they were battling around 500. Uh, took on a very good Colorado Rocky team. Let's talk a little bit about some of the surprises. The Cubs took two out of four, split with the Rockies, and we're scratching our heads. Why in the world are we talking about the Colorado Rockies? I picked them to finish right Right above the Arizona Diamondbacks, perhaps the the worst team in baseball. But the Rockies with Chris Bryant and Charlie Blackman, they're pretty good. They got some great bullpen pitching. They have not given up uh, like uh, their bullpen ERA is below one. It's unbelievable. And they add the hitting in that ballpark, and you've got exciting baseball. It was packed Easter Sunday, full house, Colorado to watch Chris Bryant lose to the Cubs. It was great. Then the uh, Cubs came home and they took on the Tampa Bay Rays, formerly the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and the Rays had gotten their little butts kicked by the White Sox, who took three out of four. Uh, The Rays did manage to salvage game four at the cell or Comiskey Park or whatever the heck it's called. And... um, White Sox are White Sox are so strong. Half their teams on the IL, and they're still just kicking butt with their batting. Uh, Luis Robert and uh, Eli Jimenez and Abreu uh, and Grandal, doesn't matter. They are they are strong. Mancata's about ready to come back from his. I don't know what he have Everybody has an oblique problem. Anyway, the the surprise the pleasant surprises are I suppose the San Francisco Giants picking up where they left off last year. They're just kicking butt. So the Giants are good, the Padres are a disappointing, not so good. The Dodgers, you know, their payroll's 400 million, maybe 500 million. Hell, I don't know, it keeps going up. They'd signed Kershaw, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncie, da 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 da. And so the fun, I guess, is going to be can anybody beat the Dodgers, you know, one game out of three? Um, Another surprisingly uh, good team has been the Los Angeles Angels. They're hanging in there pretty good. In the East, let's look at the surprise. The Mets, the Mets will, you know, they. I don't know. Buck's got them. Buck Showalter's got them playing pretty good. Uh, they're leading the league. They're hitting. They're getting pitching. And DeGrom isn't even back yet. Um, the Blue Jays in the East for the American League are doing really well. The Rays, not so good. The Red Sox are okay. The Yankees lost two out of three to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, uh, scratch your head. I don't know. Uh, my four worst teams. Uh, the worst team probably is the Arizona Diamondbacks. The uh, sorry for you folks out in Phoenix. I mean, you got nothing to watch but the guys coming into town, i.e. the visitors, and you got good weather. You know, you're not going to have a 29 degree day like the friggin' Cubs let happen last night. Now they won four to two. It was Jackie Robinson Day number two for the Cubs. It was Jackie Robinson Day at Wrigley. It was a terrible night. I mean, terrible. It was snowing. The wind chill was below 30. The uh, ambient temperature was not much above 30. The crowd looked like a bad day at Soldier Field. And the Cubs didn't give a crap. Ricketts didn't give a crap. Eh, who cares? You know, the Rays aren't coming back. We've already got to make up one game. When would we ever make it up? We got to put it on an off day. We can't double it up tomorrow for some reason. I don't know why. The sun's out. Pretty nice day at Wrigley today. But no, they played. I didn't go. Lost my money on my ticket. So yeah, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I was gonna go, but I didn't want to get pneumonia. Didn't want to get a sore throat. Didn't want to get anything. And I figured the Cubs would get their, you know, had dinner talking about the. I know we're going all over the board, but the, let's get the four worst teams underway, and then I'll get back to Dwayne's stats. My good friend who I had dinner with Sunday night. How you like the way I dropped that big famous name? I mean, he besides Jerry Reinsdorf, I suppose Dwayne is the most famous guy that comes to mind on our show, although I think everybody that appears live on the lighter side of baseball, you know, are uh, big time, big time. That would include the likes of Doug Davis, Jason Grimsley, on and on and on. I mean, uh, although I don't do the production, I do uh, bring out the talent, and uh, I got off pretty cheap with Dwayne. I took him to dinner at the... uh, tavern on Rush. We uh, warmed up after Dwayne sat in the Comiskey Park press box broadcasting the Rays' victory over the White Sox. And uh, I took a long walk from the condo, so we had to have a few little uh, alcoholic beverages to warm up. And then a nice filet, which for me is nothing. I'm <laughs> not sure. Dwayne's awfully healthy. I'm, I, I think that might have been the first filet met in a couple of years. Anyway. Four worst teams in baseball. It's simple, although the Orioles did give me some reason for pause. Uh, Number one, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Number two, the Kansas City Royals are pathetic. Oh, my God. Does anybody not understand that you need pitching and hitting and defense, you can't get by with one of those three. You can't get by with two of those three. They have no chance to finish 500. The Diamondbacks have no chance to finish 500. The Orioles have no chance, even though they beat the Yankees out to three, to finish over 500. And the um, Pittsburgh Pirates round out the bottom four they have no chance. Now, when the Cubs finish off the Diamondbacks in two days, in come the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I'm taking my grandson out to Wrigley Field where the temperature should be balmy. 70 and maybe a little rain, but it'll be a warm rain, and we can have hot dogs, and we can have peanuts and nachos and everything a kid would want at the ball game, And, you know, throw in a ball cap and a and a, um, some other souvenir, and what else do you need? And that that is how you keep the line moving when it comes to baseball fans. Of course, my grandfather was a White Sox fan who got my dad to be a White Sox fan, who got me to be a White Sox fan, and uh, that's the way it rolls. And so uh, I bring out my sons, and then they... Uh, Get their kids. And so just I'm going, kind of going over what opening week was for me. So I did the Cubs uh, opening day, and then last night was supposed to be my second Cub game, but as I said, eh, too cold. However, on Friday, to round out the first week of baseball, I went to the Royals game with my son and my uh, two grandkids, and there was a spectacular, okay, so here I'm contradicting myself already, a spectacular pitching performance by Brad Keller, man, oh man, you know, it was a little chilly, very windy, and uh, he was in a hurry, as was Kudlow, or I don't know who the, I can't remember, but together they must have struck out 20 guys. Game went quick. I mean, a six, seven, it was a seven, ten start. We were home by nine. We stayed for most of the game. Uh, Torkelson, the super phenom that the Tigers brought up, hit a ball that got out of Royal Stadium in 1.6 seconds, exit velocity 118 miles an hour. Uh, it never got above the Two feet above the wall, it was a line drive. You could hear the shot, no doubt about it. You could be drinking a beer and eating popcorn and talking to your buddy, uh, looking behind home plate in uh, a direction outside of where the batter was, and you would know from the sound of the bat. That great sound of the bat. Is there a better sound uh, than a ball cleanly hitting the bat when your seats are close enough to where you can hear from it? For you can hear it, and the crowd is small enough that that won't matter. Yes. Uh, I think his name's Torkelson. Just Spencer Torkelson ripped it. Now I could have my staff research exactly who he is and where he's sitting now. Um, but he had a good performance by a rookie. Let me say the Royals still are thirtieth out of thirty teams at choreographing a baseball game. It is absolutely the worst, the worst from the food. From the service. Now, my usher's great, been there for a long time, good guy. Um, whatever his service is called, it's A. Food and the uh, logistics support they give these concessionaires, bad. Now, my, my buddy has the Bob Kebab, now it's vodka. Is it infused? Well, he puts vodka into his Bob Kebabs, healthiest deal out at Royal Stadium, and that's okay until August hits and the chocolate that they drizzle on the fruit begins to droop a little. Pineapples looked a little droopy, even in the cold weather. Maybe pineapples don't do well in the cold. That could be. I don't know. Uh, For any of you food experts out there, and I have a lot of friends listening that are food experts Uh, Do pineapples droop when they get cold? Probably, because they're used to Hawaii. And I'll get back to Hawaii in a minute. See, everything has a connection on the lighter side of baseball. Our next guest next week, I don't want to give it away, but I'll give it away. He's in Hawaii. And my producer, who's also in Hawaii, did not find this guy, but one of our listeners and a relative of mine, uh, Mike, uh, Big Mike, whose son attends a hitting academy that is owned by our guest for next week. Name is, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay, back to bad service at Royal Stadium. The music's bad, the replays are bad. Uh, you know, why they don't replay everything? The Cubs do. Replays are bad, the um, service takes forever and then it's computerized and so because now the computers basically wait on you and then they have some people behind the the desk waiting to tell to do what the computer tells them to do give me a friggin break give me a friggin break give me a person out there cooking hot dogs you walk up I'll take two dogs and some onions on those dogs boom 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 here's your bun here's your little wax paper here's the box we put it in you want some peanuts a beer here it is you know, at Royal Stadium, that's twenty eight fifty for two dogs, a beer, and peanuts. Twenty eight fifty. Oh well, poor Mister Sherman has to make some money somehow because God knows he got screwed at the timing of when he bought the baseball team. But now he wants to move the, the field downtown, Kansas City, Kansas. Wants to put it near the NASCAR track. So that saga is going to take uh, five years to work out, but it will work out, and the Royals will be out of the K. I predict by 2027. Now, field's beautiful. My seats are spectacular. My grandkids are old enough now to be involved with the game and the crowd and a look and laugh at the crowd, which is fun in baseball because they only put a ball in play every one every four minutes. So you got to do something else besides stand in line for concessions, or you got to look at all the people, got to wave to your friends, even if you don't know them. You act like you do, so you're pretty important. Yeah, look at me, I'm out here waving. Know all these guys? I used to virtually know everybody at Royal Stadium. Back in the in the '80s, we did a little work for the Royals' legal system. We did a little, uh, and I was always around. And I mean, and the same people were there. Now, like Wrigley, I've never seen this last two years, you never see anybody there that was there the day before. I digress, which I like to do. Anyway, so, the, (laughs) my, there's a funny story. Uh, When my grandson was young, I took him and his granddaughter to the, my granddaughter, his sister, to the game. And uh, they like to have a concession every inning. And why not? That's what I used to have. So I love baseball, you know, hot dogs and all that good stuff. So I got them a funnel cake, which is nothing but dough and powdered sugar and grease they cook it in, which saturates the funnel cake. I really had never been a big funnel cake fan. Um, I prefer to, you know, use up my calories on nachos, hot dogs, malts. Peanuts, popcorn, all that stuff. Anyway, my grandson gets sick, uh, and when, and at, either at our house or at home, his house. He gets sick, and that was probably 10 years ago. They don't let me forget it. So anyway, we're fast forward. We're out at the ballpark the other day, and uh, Max goes, Hey, uh, Pops, so I'd like to get a, uh, yeah, that's my nickname, Pops, kind of like Nellie's nickname, like Willie Stargell's nickname, Pops. And uh, not Pops for Champagne, just Pops. And uh, by the way, good restaurant in Chicago, Pops for Champagne, not a sponsor. So Max and I go back, in the line, it's like when we had the Omaha Royals, we brought in Dippin' Dots. It was a new thing. This was like 85, 86. And our concessionaire, Delaware North Corporation, sports service, the best in baseball, they brought in Dippin' Dots. And we had one dip and dot stand, and the people in that line might have seen two innings. Long line, they didn't care, they wanted dipping. Now it's a now it's funnel cakes. So we had to wait in line for funnel cakes. You know, the line was looked like a 30-minute line, but luckily people got pissed and they left the line, and Max and I would move up, and then more people would get pissed, and we'd move up, and then Then we finally get to where you can sort of see the operation. There is a lady at the cash register. They've only they they serve one item, funnel cakes. Six dollars and fifty cents for a funnel cake, dough, powdered sugar. That's it. Cooked in a vat of boiling fat. Delicious. Can't beat it. So we get to where we can see what's going on. And we see they've got a cashier who really doesn't know anything other than to hit six fifty, thank you very much, puts your credit card in, boom, you want a tip? Yeah, yeah. I mean we all tip after the pandemic and why not? And then you got the funnel cake girl. And I mean, we get there and there's nothing happening except the funnel cake girl is picking up fifty pound bags of powdered sugar and putting it in a container. And then taking it from that container to another container so that she can hit a little, you know, it's like a, oh, you know, one of those old flour deals where you, you squeeze it and a lifetime amount of powdered sugar comes out onto the dough cooked in fat. And there you are, there's your funnel cake. So not only is this young girl hauling around 50-pound bags of powdered sugar, but she has to mix the dough. Now, I don't know how you mix the dough, what you put into the dough, to make the funnel cake dough, but she was using... (laughs) I mean, if the health department came, you're going to shut this place down. First, they had an extension cord for a couple hundred feet to put power into what looked like a roto router. It really did. It looked like a roto router. It had a big old and the end of it looked like a fan, you know like it had a, like a propeller. And then it, I think it was um, uh, something to mix concrete with if you just had a little amount of concrete. So she had this power tool with a long neck and then this and this propeller at the end. Nobody was helping her, so nobody was getting served, and she stirred and stirred. And I mean, it was like imagine you're making paper mache and you're trying to get the goo all, you know, mixed up. That's what this looked like. Only it was yellow. So a big vat of cake mix, I guess, is how I'd look at it. And uh, so she goes and uh, does that for a while then she has to pour it into another vessel so that she can then take her steel frame pour the goo into the frame uh you know let it sit in the fat for a minute or two and then she scoops it out with another deal puts it on a little plate and then zaps it with powdered sugar and there you have the life of a Funnel cake—more than you ever wanted to know about a funnel cake on the lighter side of baseball. But I don't care. So I say to this this young lady, I said, "Ma'am, you have the hardest job at the ballpark besides you know being a relief pitcher for the Royals." And uh, she goes, "I am, without a doubt, the most popular person at the K." And as evidence of that, look at the line. And she was right. Now. Why in the world wouldn't they have three of her at six fifty a pop? It probably costs fifty cents to make it, exclusive of the labor anyway. huh, So that was the Royals. Then it's Jackie Robinson night. Now we get there early. We get uh, they gave me a a Jackie Robinson number forty two blue sweatshirt that uh, it might have cost a buck, maybe not. And by the, we got there an hour early, and they only had smalls. I don't think I'm going to fit into, for those, I guarantee you, I wouldn't fit into a small, medium, or large. I'm a double X guy. And, I, you know, I go on my diets, and now just thinking about going out to the Pirates game on Sunday, i am decided, well, why would I be on a diet? I'm going to go out to the ball yard. Anyway, see, that's the problem with a carboholic guy like me, addicted to carbs. Anyway. I have a good life. Don't anybody feel sorry for me. Life is great. Great family, great activities, live in a lot of places. Nobody can catch me if they wanted to. Anyway, Royals have always sucked. Their service sucks. And so on the way home, we left in the eighth inning. We turned on the radio. It's 2-1. to I mean, it's a good game going right along. Royals scored first, and then the Tigers came back. Javi Baez wasn't playing. Big disappointment. I want to see a Cub. I love following the Cubs. I'm following the Cubs lineup. And let me tell you, from Darvish to Chris Bryant to Rizzo to Castellanos to Schwarber to Kimbrell, to you name it, the Cubs, the ex-Cubs are just kicking ass. And why wouldn't they? Okay. We turn on the radio and who's broadcasting? I thought he was dead. I mean, I really thought he was... I thought they retired his microphone. Um, Denny Matthews. Denny, like in 1985 when he was with Fred White and they won the World Series beating the St. Louis Cardinals, that was sweet with an umpire blowing a call. Even sweeter, you know? The thing that makes the 1985 World Series win, uh, the Royals over the Cardinals, makes it sweeter... Because Don Denkinger blew the call. He blew the call. So those Cardinal fans know that. Now, what would have happened if he'd gotten the call right? I don't know, because they still had a chance, even after Denkinger blew the call at first. You know, they still had a chance. Jack Clark blew it, dropped the foul, pop up, and uh, the rest is history. Dane Orange, and then Game 7, and the meltdown by the... uh, uh, Cardinals pitcher and the home runs, and they just kicked their ass on Sunday night after the Chiefs kicked the ass of somebody else at Arrowhead. It's a big day at the stadium complexes in 1985. But again, what made that sweet was that Cardinals just cannot take the fact that that call was so bad. Now with instant replay, that never would happen again, never, never, never. But anyway, Denny Matthews might have been okay, okay, even though he's in the Hall of Fame, might have been okay in 1985. Um, and again, I'm, I, I don't know, Danny. I've met him a few times. Get off, you know. Come on, Royals. Get get somebody good. Pathetic. The worst. So fast forward. I'm driving to. Kansas on Saturday before Easter. I'm driving to Chicago from Kansas. And so I've got all the baseball games on my satellite radio, woohoo. And I listen to Cleveland. Tom Hamilton is absolutely in the top five in my book with Dwayne Statz, Bob Bucher, John Miller, and I'm sure some other guys that I haven't heard or know, but like, but I don't know their name. Anyway. So, and I'll get to a Hamilton story, because it phases into Jackie Robinson day, and, um, you know, there's Denny Matthews on the Royals game, and it's like, holy cow, how, is this guy getting paid? I mean, I know, I'm know i sure, and of course, my, when I said how bad this guy was, my grandson, the same kid that got sick on the funnel cake, not this year, we each had a funnel cake, I bought two, because if you're going to stand in line that long, you might as well go get another funnel cake. So he ate a whole funnel cake, although his dad get an assist because he didn't want his kid to get sick again. So I, I can understand that. I ate the whole funnel cake. Felt great. Felt great. Anyway, and I said, you yeah, know, Denny Matthews, and, and of course Max goes, "You're just jealous." And I, yeah, I am. I take his job. I take any job broadcasting baseball. Are you kidding? When I get together with Dwayne stats, it's like no holds barred. We can th- this year especially, Dwayne. I won't go into what he said or who he said it about, but he was much more critical of some of his fellow broadcasters, and I'm not going to name names. Okay? That wouldn't be fair to Dwayne. I will later, but, you know, Dwayne's not going to listen anyway. So, uh, Jackie Robinson night. It was was so bad. They did nothing. You know, they all wore 42 because Mighty Man for the Wonder Dog told them to, and then a new Dawn flashed they had blue number 42s this year and so the head of the Royals Hall of Fame Museum is the narrator and he talks about a little intro into how Jackie Robinson changed Major League Baseball and not only Major League Baseball but the country by breaking the color barrier and coming up with the Brooklyn Dodgers and he was so bad, you know? Why not get Bob Kendrick, the head of the Negro League Museum, of the one-time guest, I can't get him back, he's too big now, popular, the one-time guest on the lighter side of baseball, and a delightful guy, and a gleeful uh, narrator and storyteller about the Negro plight, the Negro League Baseball. Get any... Like maybe it's too expensive now. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. But get, get Kendrick or um, Frank White. Oh, we don't like Frank White anymore, says the Kansas City Royals. I don't know why. Or get Willie Wilson or Amos Otis or UL Washington or somebody who can speak clearly and articulate this the wonderful life they all have because of Jackie Robinson and others, who I'll get to in a minute, okay? They did none of that. It was like nothing. And then the game went on and da-da-da-da-da. The rest is history. So Jackie Robinson night in Kansas City was not good. And I don't know what, I think the Cubs had Pat Hughes talking about it. So that would have been better. And the, the Cubs have a Big scoreboard, bigger than the Royals, who have a really big scoreboard, too. But the Cubs know how to use it. They know how to navigate with it. They know how to uh, benefit, maximize the benefit. And I'm sure they did with Pat Hughes and Jackie Robinson. So listen to the Denny, and he's just so bad. And, and really, the other announcers are miserable, too. But they sound better because they're comparing... Uh, their broadcast to Denny. Bad, Uh, bad, you know. Retire, give it up, go watch hockey. He loves hockey. So anyway, I'm listening to Tom Hamilton, and it's Jackie Robinson Day in Cleveland. So every team, when they had their opener uh, after April 15th, which is the date that Jackie came up from Montreal to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers, um, every... time a team opened uh, at home, they had Jackie Robinson Day and Cleveland did. So they had um, a number of pitchers throwing to Larry Doby's family. Now if anybody's listens to my podcast, they have heard me talk about other people who were pioneers that blazed a trail for every African American to play Uh, professional sports, really, not just baseball, but sports in general. And the second guy to come up was Larry Doby. And, you know, I know a little bit about Doby. I've got a wonderful picture of him and Satchel Paige in my office here, my memorabilia haven. But Larry Doby came up 11 weeks after Jackie, and he doesn't get the pub, he wasn't really into social actions overtly like Jackie was. He really, um, where Jackie kind of, and again, this is just me, okay? It was just my Jackie has a sparkle. Larry looked a little downtrodden. And uh, Larry uh, was every bit as important. He was the first African American in the American League. And, he was signed by Bill Veck, who owned the Chicago White Sox for a long time. But at the time that Vek signed Larry Doby, he owned the Cleveland Indians. So, he is concerned about when he's going to bring up Doby. And now this is, you know, 11 weeks, three months after April, May, June. So probably it probably was in July. I could get the date. And Vec decides that the the best chance he has of a neutral reception to Larry Doby will be in Chicago. So he doesn't tell anybody in the Cleveland Indian organization uh, that he is bringing up Larry Doby, and all of a sudden, without any warning or any publicity the second African-American breaks the color barrier in Chicago against the White Sox playing for the Cleveland Indians. And so Lou Boudreau was the manager back then, and he was also the shortstop. And Boudreau was a Hall of Famer. Uh, The second baseman was a spectacular baseball player, and um, they had a first baseman. The... uh, Nobody knew v- Dobie was coming, and nobody knew where he played. So, you know, he's, he sits for a while, and Vec finally goes to Budro and goes, dude, you got to play this guy. And, and Budro goes, well, he's not going to play shortstop, and he's not going to play second. He's not going to play first. And then he goes to Dobie and goes, you know, where do you want to play? Where have you played? And Doby goes, well, I played a little first base. Uh, you know, and so did Jackie Robinson. I mean, here's the deal. Robinson was a second baseman. Dobie was probably an outfielder. Uh, but they moved him around to get these guys into the lineup. And so Dobie doesn't have a first baseman's glove. And um, the traveling secretary, who back then actually, you know, did a lot of interaction with the players, went to the first baseman and said, Hey, um... Doby is going to play first base today and he needs to borrow your glove. And the first baseman said, take a hike. And I think, as the story goes, I thought that he had to borrow a White Sox first base glove to play because nobody in the Indians would lend him a glove. Now, my good buddy Dwayne Stats says, no, uh, he, the first baseman wouldn't give him the glove, but the traveling secretary said, hey, can I borrow your glove? And the first baseman said, okay, and gave it to Dobie to use. So that's how Dwayne remembers the story. He heard it from Lou Boudreaux, so, I mean, he and Lou broadcast together for uh, a while with the Cubs until along comes Dave Nelson, who broadcast for the Cubs with Dwayne Stats. Anyway all over the board today because we were just talking about the opening week of baseball, which included Jackie Robinson celebrations, some good, some bad. It included my off-the-cuff talking about some announcers that I like. Uh, John Miller, even though he his home run call is bilingual, it's okay. Maybe he could change it up a little bit. Maybe not every time he has to say, hasta la vista, and then whatever other word he throws in there for a home run for the San Francisco Giants, who have been hitting a lot. The Cubs, okay. You know I bag on the Cubs post the dump trade. 2016 World Series, it looked like we were going to repeat in 17, 18, 19, 20. We were going to have a lot of fun as season ticket holders watching the Cubs. Didn't happen. So last year, the dump goes, and I mean, they sucked. They were, they were really, really bad. And lo and behold, most of the guys that sucked came back as now the new face of the franchise. Uh, Patrick Wisdom, Frank the Tank, and Hermosia, and Ian Happ, and Jason Hayward, and da-da-da-da-da. Well, I love Hayward. He's great, and he's always been better than his performances. But I looked in the uh, stats yesterday for the week, and who is leading the major leagues in batting average? The Cubs. Go figure. Go figure. Well, now they had a big... uh, They hit more doubles than anybody I think had ever hit since my Little League team in uh, in Colorado. So that was one deal. And, um, you know, I guess they're good. Wisdom finally hit a home run last night against the Rays. I mean into a 20-mile-an-hour wind coming in over the left-field wall. He blasted one in about the 10th row. I mean, Wisdom, when he hits it, he's just every bit as strong as Stanton and Judge and Trout, and you name it. If Wisdom could make contact and, and hit home runs like he did last year, we would be in good shape. And then Schwindel hit a home run, Frank the Tank. And the lifeblood of the team has become Seiya Suzuki and uh, Gomes, good pickups, and Robertson. So am I getting excited prematurely? Yeah, you folks out there that know me, you say, oh, wait a minute, I just talked to the guy a couple of days ago. He was bagging on the Cubs. They suck, they can't hit. Bullpen sucks, starting pitching sucks. Well, let me tell you. Drew Smiley looking like a pretty good post-Tommy John surgery guy. And then Robertson has resurrected his career for a week anyway. Yeah, I know, it's only been a week, and I'm pretty excited. Robertson has four saves. Now, that I thought would lead the league, but there's a guy named Romano for Toronto that's got like 30 saves in a row, 30 saves in a row. And then Chris Taylor, I think, I think that's who it is, with the Dodgers, just ended a 26-game hitting streak. Those are big deals, that's... You know, in my math, 26 is halfway to Joe DiMaggio's 56. Not quite, but close. Closer than people have come in a long time. And um, how about Quan? Yeah, Quan. You know what Jerry Maguire's, what Rod, who Jerry Maguire represented, Rod would say, Jerry, you don't have Quan. And Maguire would go, is that something that only African Americans have? Quan. No, it's love and spiritual guidance that will get you through and make you a better athlete. You don't have Quan. If you had Quan, you'd be a better agent. You Wouldn't have lost all those guys. And uh, so the Cleveland Indians got Quan. Uh, Sorry, the Guardians. The Guardians of, I guess they guard the city, and maybe they're firemen because the... uh, uh, Cuyahoga River burns periodically, you know? That's a great movie. Major League on the shore of Cuyahoga River. It burned. They put it out. Trash, junk, fuel. Anyway, Quan, who I'd never heard of, Quan like, plays the Royals' opening weekend, and... He gets, a, he gets nine out of, he goes nine for 13 with four or five walks, and then the broadcaster goes, you know, in spring training, he never, underline never, swung and missed at any ball. And in the first homestand with the Royals, he never swung and missed. He fouled it off, whatever. Pretty amazing. Now, how's Quan doing now? Um, I don't think that there's any way he could continue on that terror that he was on, but we're going to just check it out and see what the, uh, um, what, what Kwan is hitting 385 for a rookie, not bad. He has been up 26 times and he has, um, a three eighty-five batting average. Woo-hoo-hoo. He's got um, got a lot of hits, got no RBIs, and uh, that's pretty cool for him. I love it. Uh, other guys leading the league. Here's another Tom Hamilton story. You know, Tom Hamilton tells good stories. He's exciting. Euchre tells good stories. Dwayne Stats with Brian Anderson tell good stories. The Tampa Bay Brian Anderson. Not the Milwaukee BA. Anyway, Owen Miller, the backup catcher for the Cleveland Guardians. We've got to come up with a song for the Guardians. Hitting 500. He was the backup catcher. The starting catcher can't play because, as Tom Hamilton said, the starting lineups are determined by who's hot, who's hitting. Now, if you're on the Arizona Diamondbacks, there's only one guy hitting over 200. How do you figure that lineup out? It's like, pick a name, Troy Lovello or whatever his name is. We need an overhaul with the Diamondbacks. They're pathetic. Their owner's an idiot. Remember all the things he did. Fired his lawyer because his lawyer stated the obvious. You know, you guys suck. Put some money into the team. If you don't do that, sell the team. So Owen Miller's from Wisconsin. Tom Hamilton's from Wisconsin. And so Tom made a special point of meeting Mr. and Mrs. Miller, father and mother of Owen Miller in the lobby of the hotel uh, in Cleveland, um, after they got back off of their road trip. And, you know, they said they were watching their phones. And Hamilton goes, you know, what are you watching? I mean, what's more important than being interviewed by me? <laughs> and they're going, Well, our other son got drafted Uh, By the twins, he was the sixth pick of the 2021 amateur draft, and he's playing rookie ball. And we're just kind of we're linked in, and we're watching him. So here's two kids from Wisconsin, not exactly the bastion of prepping guys for baseball, and uh, their one kid's leading the major leagues in hitting. In second place is uh, Jose Ramirez. Boy, that guy, you know. I never heard of him in 2016 when he hurt the Cubs repeatedly. Uh, I've heard of him now. Olson uh, with the uh, Braves, who's picking up where Freddie Freeman left off. The guy that I don't understand why he got traded from the Rockies. Uh, I'll take Aaron Otto any day. Uh, Suzuki with the Cubs. Choi with the Rays. Austin Meadows, who the Rays traded. Where do the, the Rays come up with these guys? They get rid of them. And they can just go get more guys. You know, They're the only team that shouldn't be above $100 million in payroll. Keep it wherever it is. Keep doing what you're doing. Get Kevin Cash to work with these guys. Tim Anderson with the White Sox is 10th. Hosmer with the Padres, who are kind of not hitting on all cylinders. They took Suzuki, or they took, um, sorry, Darvish out with a no-hitter. How about the Dodgers? They... Kershaw's thrown a perfect game through seven innings. They take him out. Okay. Had 80 pitches. Give me a break. Uh, Lau. Another guy from the Rays. He's hitting 371. Joe. I don't know Joe. You don't know Joe. But some guy named Joe's with the Rockies. He's hitting. Ben with the Royals. Uh, Brandon Crawford. Not Brandon Crawford. Some other guy. Margot Machado Bell. now, Who's leading in home runs? Albies, Crone with the uh, Rockies, Guerrero, Arenado, Ozuna, Suzuki, uh, Pete Alonzo. You know, it's the same guys. Um, Who's leading in RBIs? Ramirez, Alonzo, Arenado. I don't hear Chris Bryant. I don't hear... Now, let's look at the uh, teams. Let's look at the uh, stats with the... um, The Yankees. Well, let's look at the team totals. Oh, the Rockies went ahead of the Cubs. Rockies are number one, the Cubs are number two, the Guardians three, the Dodgers four. How about that all-important OPS? Rockies, Cubs, Guardians. Wow. How about uh, uh, hits? Rockies, Cubs. Man, the Cubs are making liar out of me. I mean, like I'm making me a dummy, not a liar, a dummy. Anyway, okay. Whew, let's take a break, figure out where we are, and we'll be right back on Spotify, Apple iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, the originator of On the Lighter Side of Baseball, and uh, my Facebook page, which I don't like, don't go to, but you can pick that up. You can Google On the Lighter Side of Baseball. I think you can Google Jamie Uretsky On the Lighter Side of Baseball, and uh, you guys can contact me, uh, you know, my email, Uh jamie.m.yoretsky at uh, gmail.com. Send me anything. You know, dude, you are a cure for insomnia. You really know what you're talking about. You know, you kind of ride the uh, Cubs hard. Or how come you're so anti-Rick? Anything. Send it away. You know, all lowercase. There you go. So we'll be back in a minute. And uh, for now, go have uh, breakfast and enjoy the day. We'll be back in five minutes. Okay, we're back on the left side of baseball, and I hope you guys all had a chance to uh, do whatever you do in a five-minute break. Anyway, so we are excited. Tomorrow, we are going going to divulge the name. Uh, Maybe you guys put two and two together. Maybe you know who is the premier hitting instructor on the island of Maui. This guy's nickname was Rambo when he played Major League Baseball. Do I need to tell you any more? Rambo. Now, we're going to do the podcast and put it up within the next week. Rambo, real name, God-given name, Mike Diaz, formerly played for Pittsburgh, both teams in Chicago, and four years uh, with a team in the Japanese league. Rambo. Rambo. If you all are subscribers to The Athletic, you can Google Rambo, Mike Diaz, Pittsburgh Pirates, and see Rambo back in the 80s when he hit in front of Barry Bonds and uh, after Bobby Bonilla. Rambo was the real deal for a while, and now he has a hitting school called Hitting Paradise, and we're going to talk to him about hitting paradise. We're going to talk to him about his time in the White Sox farm system, where I'm sure he came in contact with all of the clients that fired me. Yeah? I don't know the grudge. I hold a grudge against. The only guy I hold a grudge against was with the uh, Montreal Expos. I came to the Kansas City Royals. Um, I negotiated. He was the, you know, I have, I have some great things that have happened to me in my life. I played college baseball for two years and never batted, Uh, never meaningfully batted. I might have batted in my dreams. Two years on the team. The team lost in those two years at least 140 games. And you know, you would think after a while, at least of dragging me around on the bus, you'd think that the coach would like feel sorry. Hey, Ureske, grab a bat. Go get into the books. Hit, walk, strike out, get hit, uh, do whatever. I know you're not going to get a hit because I haven't played you for two years. Wow, how many guys are on a team and never played for two years? I, so that that's me. Um, you know, I, I got into law school. That was good. Um, got stayed in the Marine Corps. That was good. Um, and in addition, the. Um, Sports representation. I represented guys that went on to have 10-year careers. Johnny Cangelosi, Ron Karkovice, Bobby Thigpen. These guys were good. Unfortunately for me and my banker, they fired me before they you know, got out of the uh, second year of their major league contract. But Nelson Santovania, I negotiated his deal with the Montreal Expos. And uh, maybe that put him over the top. Maybe they abandoned the franchise after that. But he switched. I run in, I get him in spring training the next year. He's got a little baby. The baby's got like six pounds of gold around his neck, uh, which is not unusual for um, um, lat- Latin players who get some money like to spend it on their family. And God bless them. It's great. So this little baby had gold chains all over the place. Added six or seven pounds to his body mass, and uh, after that, Santo Venio dumped me. So I put the I put the Uretsky voodoo on him, man. I put the voodoo curse on him, and uh, he was out of baseball within three months of dumping me. Now with Karkovice and Cangelosi, that you know, and some others, I did represent. And, and he would have made a lot of money. Again, this typifies, it's a tough business. Al Jones. Let me talk about Al Jones during Jackie Robinson week. I think it's appropriate. You know, you've also got Don Newcomb and Monty Irvin and a lot of blacks Ernie Banks, Willie Mays that came up through the Negro Leagues because Jackie Robinson made it possible to play in the major leagues. So, you know, Al Jones came along in 1980s. He went to Alcorn State. And he was a pitcher and um, had a funny motion. They called it a short arm motion. I don't know what that means, but he had a short arm motion. And, you know, Al had a was minor league player of the year in 1983, maybe, 84. Came up the next year with the White Sox, went down just at the 90-game 90, 90 mark where they would have had to pay him $5,000. And uh, then he comes up, and and in spring training the next year, uh, doesn't give up a run, and so they have to keep him on the team. Uh, he's the last guy on the team, so he's doing everything but mopping the floors. And he gets hurt when it starts raining in Boston. Slips on the on the uh, step going into the dugout. Reaches out instinctively with his right arm. Tears everything in his arm. Doesn't tell anybody because why would you? Goes to the bullpen. It's rainy. It's wet. It's an April day in Boston. Warms up two or three times Finally comes in Base is loaded Bottom of the ninth Tie a score He strikes out Yes, listen to this I probably told this before Jim Rice Evans And Armas Jim Rice Tony Armas And Daryl Evans Huh Sox get a run on the top of the tenth, somebody else comes in because uh, Al I called him Al Fornia because he was from California. And uh, that's how that was his nick that was his name, I guess on his birthday. Al Fornia. Jonesy got the win and that was it. Before that he had saved Tom Seavers' first three American league wins. So he had a famous career and never could lift his arm again and uh, out of baseball. But again, a black kid gets a chance, goes through the minor leagues with the White Sox, and he pitches in the major leagues, which that doesn't happen very often. Good story. Al was a good guy. Tragic ending. But not tragic. He's still breathing. But he was my only really loyal client. That's where we were going. So anyway, Mike Diaz is going to be on. And... um, he spent some time with the White Sox and the Cubs and the Pirates and in Japan. So we're going to have a good time talking to him about that. And, uh, and so until then, uh, we will bid you a fond farewell. Uh, go hit some golf balls. Go eat some pizza. And uh, go take in a baseball game. Listen to radio. Don't listen to Denny Matthews. Oh, my God. Here's the deal. If you're going to catch the Royals game on the radio, turn the sound down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You guys wanted the lighter side. Of- you get it? Turn the sound down. Turn the volume down on your radio. That's how bad Denny Matthews is. And Denny ain't alone. There's some other guys out there. Again, he's in the Hall of Fame. So at some point, he could make his words purr. But let me tell you, the purr is gone. And Denny should be too. Uh, Not not literally, but gone from the royals. Very nice man. Very hard worker. And... uh, that's it. So, for all my sponsors, Jamie Ritzke on the lighter side of baseball, Spotify, I love that word, Spotify, Apple iTunes, etc. will be coming to you uh, from Hawaii. Yeah. No, I won't be in Hawaii, but my guest will be tomorrow, and then we'll put it up when we put it up. So, until then, have a great day. Keep listening. Tell your friends about it. I'm going to get try to get a few more interesting people than me. Anybody would fit that bill. And uh, a sponsor. I'm going to keep it up, you know? We're not going to quit. We're going all the way to the end of uh, whatever. So, have a good day and listen to this music brought to you by my production team, headed up by Tyler. Thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate it.